Hey, Don, how are you? I am good. How are you? Good. Happy to be here for our, I didn't put a number on this, but I think it's our 57th episode of Story Strategy. Um, and today we're going to be talking about plot, kind of. Well, building kind a story of. from plot, right? Yes. We are talking about how to start with the plot and make a whole manuscript from there. Right. So if you are starting from plot, I mean, what's the alternative? Well, we're going to have another show about starting with character. Ah, yes. So we talked a little bit in our earlier episodes of how to get started and where you can get some ideas and brainstorming. And so this is, you've already got some kind of idea. We're going to talk on this show what to do if your story, if your idea is more plot driven. And then on the next show, we're going to talk about what to do if your idea is more character driven. And how to know. Maybe, it, maybe some people aren't quite sure if they have an idea. They don't know if it's plot or character driven. Right. Okay. Awesome. Um, did we have anything else we needed, like housekeeping stuff before we just sort of dive in? I don't think so. Okay. So maybe we should begin with kind of a definition. What is plot? What do we mean by that? Well, okay. So we know that I'm the story structure person. So story structure is my thing. So the way I like to look at it is story structure or the story beats that we talk about in one of the previous episodes is if you are building a house, if your story is going to be a house, the story structure is the foundation and the drywall and the studs and the um, everything that makes it a house. But then the plot, because plot's going to vary wildly, the plot is the decoration and the paint and everything that makes it special. So what are the characters then? The characters are the people who come around and play in the plot. So they just live in the house. <laughs> yes, they just live in the house. <laughs> they live in this magnificent world that you created. So they are, and depending on if you, like we said, if it's plot driven or character driven, either your plot is causing things to happen for your characters, which is in forcing them, propelling them forward to make their character arc happen, or some kind of internalness is happening to your characters, and the plot is what's going on outside of them. Okay, fair enough. So I, playing devil's advocate, I don't really think this, but I would assume that if I'm going to start from plot, I must be a plotter. Absolutely not. <laughs> because, first of all, yes, those of you who just heard plot and your eyes started twitching, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. We've got it. You're in a safe place. <laughs> the idea of plot is just that you have some idea of what's going to happen with these people you've created. So we're going to create the people next time. But if you have your people, what are they going to do? What is changing for them? And how is that impacting them? And we talk a lot sometimes about just knowing what your next beat is. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is how do you take this idea of, oh, this is the kind of thing that might happen to them and stretch it out to make it full, fill a whole story and still know where you're going. So if you are a pantser, if you like to discover things as you're writing, that is absolutely fine. You are welcome here. We are still going to have some things for you to learn about today. Yes, you can be a pantser and build a story from plot. The, the word plotter should be planner instead. Yes. Okay, so 
where do we start with this? Well, we talked about in one of our previous episodes about brainstorming and where do you get your ideas and you can talk to friends, you can eavesdrop on people, you can find information in media. So we came up with a lot of ways for you to come up with your idea. And so if you are talking about having a plot idea versus a character idea. So if you're talking about having a plot, of course, since my heart is usually in mysteries and suspense, then you're, you might simply have the idea of, well, that's an interesting way to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, okay, so this, you know, there was a gas leak at a museum and they had to evacuate everybody, but what if it wasn't really a gas leak? Right. And so you pick those points out and start thinking about, how can I make a story out of this? What, how can I expand this little bitty tiny kernel of corn? How am I going to pop it into a whole story? Yeah, I feel like people who who start with plot regularly must take a lot of inspiration from like news stories or anecdotes that they hear, you know, like, oh, well, everyone lived, but what if they hadn't? Or, you know, right. a lot of like, like, okay, I heard what you said, but my brain is thinking about this other scenario. <laughs> Yeah, that what if is always really important. That what if this happened? What Okay, this might have been what happened and it might have been really really boring. But what if this happened? And that's that's what we're going to stretch out. And so one of the places you start with that is your genre. Because genres are going to have particular expectations. Right. So do you think that people ever have a great idea and then just start writing and have really no idea? which, I mean, I'm, I'm asking it as a question, but I already know it's true. Um, genre's important. So yeah, just uh, not knowing which genre you want the idea to fit into could be a mistake because each genre has certain conventions. So even, even if I'm writing a romance or a mystery, I could have somebody die from a gas leak in either one. The way right. I'm gonna set that up and position things around it is gonna change dramatically depending on which genre I'm writing for. Right. And that's why it's so important to kind of know. I mean, yes, absolutely. If you want to get those creative thoughts going, you sit down, you start pounding out that story. But when you come to an editor, we need to know where you plan on that story being marketed if you're trying to sell it, because then we can tell you, okay, for example, this is a romance. He can't die at the end. Right. Or you will annoy everybody. Yeah. Well, it's exactly like branding work, which is what I do in my other life, where you start sort of with, and and it's funny because whenever I'm working in that world, I'm like, this is just like book narrative, which is what I do in my other life. (laughs) But you start with like, who are you trying to reach? Like, what what do you need them to know? What's the goal? Um, And I think that that's true. Anytime you're putting a message out into the world, whether it's a story or you're, you've got a new company you're launching, you need to know who you're trying to reach and what you're hoping their response will be. So romance readers are looking for something very different than mystery and thriller readers. And you right. need to know what your audience wants before, what their pain points are is what we call it in the advertising world, right? So if you, t- if you take our idea of there was a museum and they had to evacuate everybody and they claimed it was a gas leak, If I'm setting this up as a romance, then, okay, 
there was a gas leak and this museum worker passed out on the way out and one of the paramedics had to pick her up and carry her out and then he had to come check on her at the hospital and so it's going to take a completely different shift than if I'm setting it up as a thriller and okay they claimed it was a gas leak but this woman who has been hiding from these very bad people who want this information that they know she has what set off the gas leak was that somebody shot at her with a silencer and it burst one of the pipes so you take it and you twist it for however it's going to fit of if you wanted to turn that into a fantasy it's because that gargoyle is really an actual gargoyle it's not just a statue and it started spreading its wings and the people who are protecting regular people like us from magic showed up and made everybody think it was a gas leak so you kind of have to have an idea of where do you want it to go what do you want it to do now i will admit back when i was a brand new writer i was doing nano and I was the type who I would get an idea and I would sit down and just start typing. Just whatever came out, that's fine. And, and, and especially during Nano, whatever comes out's fine. Yeah. And I was three chapters in and my hero blew up a car with his hand and I went, oh, so they're going to be superheroes. Oh, they have magic. <laughs> they have magic. And um, that's not how I suggest you do things. That's not generally the most productive use of your time. <laughs> So knowing, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so knowing what, what, where you want the story to kind of fit helps. And yeah. then the next part is our favorite things. Uh, I have to scroll down to see what our favorite uh, is. Tropes. Tropes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So tropes are kind of specific to romance, but not, they don't have to be. Um, they're talked about most often in the romance genre, I think, because that's the place where I think readers are aware of tropes. They do occur mm -hmm. in other genres, but I don't think readers are as familiar with them as they are in romance. I know that I look for enemies to lovers. I know I also like friends to lovers. Those are both examples of tropes. So <clears throat> knowing, especially if you're writing romance, knowing what your tropes are going to be kind of directs your plot a little bit. So I might've had the idea that, you know, um, well, we'll go with the museum story. Um, maybe the paramedic takes the woman out and goes and checks on her at the hospital. And then we learn that he's actually her brother's best friend, that she's known him since high school and she always had a crush on him. And so now we've got a second chance romance, sort of. We've got mm -hmm. um, brother's best friend. Those are two tropes. So that is going to direct a lot of the action that's going to happen later, because obviously we're going to have to have the brother get involved here somewhere. Um, and it sort of helps you, if you know your tropes, it helps you figure out what some of your action points will be later. Right. And that guides you to which direction is the story going to expand. So if you have, um, I don't think a secret baby trope would work well with our gas leak at the museum. But if you had oh, no. a, <laughs> no, I'm like, hmm, that, that would work. But if you had like a workplace romance you you could have something going on between the ticket taker at the museum and the usher who takes the vips through or something like that <laughs> and that is going to make it completely different than if it is this story is really all going to be about the police who are investigating whatever crime happened 
And you can still layer in those tropes because most of us like a little bit of romance with our dead bodies anyway. And so you can still layer in that exactly what you just said. Maybe the woman who saw something at the museum decides to go to the police and she walks in and there is her brother's best friend who is now a detective who wants to talk to her. And you could build it from there, even if it's not going to be as straight contemporary romance, solid, we're only going in this way. It all That also gives you the chance to weave things in there together. Right, exactly. Or you could have, you know, the woman who was in the back room actually releasing the gas to clear the museum because she's a jewel thief, um, you know, having a partner who she hates. And so it's like a workplace romance, sort of. It's sort of an <laughs> enemy to lovers, like you have an opportunity for witty banter, but you're writing it like an adventure. So, but you have to know <laughs> those things can evolve, but generally if you start with a romance and it evolves into an adventure, no one's going to be real happy at the end. You'll have readers on both sides. Like this isn't what I was looking for. Right. So, you know, you need to know which way it's weighted. Is it heavy on romance or is it heavy on adventure? And so you need to know which way it's weighted. Then the next thing that I, I always suggest you consider is where is this story happening? Because generally, if you're working from plot first, the setting can be very important. If this is the Wild Bill Museum in Bozeman, Montana, I don't know if there is one, uh, compared to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, everything that happens both in the museum and out is going to be colored by that setting, right? And so will the people right. do. Absolutely. And that's not to say that you can't write about places you haven't been. That's not what we're saying at all. But you need to be aware of how the setting is going to impact the situation. And so a couple of examples that we came up with for that is if you if the setting is going to be a challenge to the characters or if it is intricate to the plot. So, for example, No Exit by Taylor Adams is a story about a girl who gets trapped in a blizzard at a um, rest stop, a roadside rest stop, and she goes out to try to make a phone call and sees a kid chained up in the back of a van. And so she knows she's trapped in this place with somebody who has chained up a kid in the back of the van, but there's a blizzard and there's no cell service and there's nobody around to help her. And so in that case, your setting is very, very important. Right. And you can actually, I mean, we're talking about working from plot and working from character as sort of two oppositional ways to start a book. You can start with setting. If right. you think about, although I think it is very tied to plot, as you pointed out, if you think about a book like The Maze Runner, which I don't know if you guys have read. I have boys who read YA at this point because of their ages, so that's a series I'm pretty familiar with, along with Percy Jackson and some others. But the setting is integral to the plot because the yes. plot is the setting. Basically, these boys are trapped in a maze. And those really do interlink nicely. So if you think of a really cool place, you're almost guaranteed to also have thought of some element of plot that you want to weave into that. Yes, and some other examples that um, we came up with for the books where whatever is going to happen would not happen if they weren't in these spots. Right. And so, like, book The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager, it happens at a summer camp. And what happens there would not have happened 
if they were at a high school in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Whiteout by Ariana. It happens, it takes place in Antarctica. <laughs> so, again, if they're sitting in Texas where it's 70 degrees today, they don't have the problems they have. The book probably wouldn't in, have been called Whiteout either. It was right. called. Yes, well, I don't know. We did have snow last week. There was there was yucky white stuff on the ground. So those things are going to strongly influence what's happening. And that's where the weather is going to come into play and the location and all of that is going to change. You could take the event of there's a gas leak and everybody has to evacuate and it all changes depending on where the setting is. Yeah. So if all you've got is like, I know I want to write about a gas leak in a museum and it's a romance, then, and you're not sure where to go with that, then be like, okay, what's the weather like outside during this gas leak? Where, where is this? Right. What city am I in? Yeah. Like what are, what are the elements that would be around the museum? And that could inform like the immediate scenes after everyone scatters and you can sort of build from there. Well, and if you want to make something really unique, um, and this is why I mentioned Fierce Kingdom by Jen Phillips. That is a story about a woman who is leaving a zoo with her child and um, people start shooting. Hmm. And so the book is her hiding from these people and she's trapped in a zoo. And so you can take the, the setting itself can be the start of the plot for you. Mm-hmm. Of Okay, so what would happen if we were here and then this happened? Right. And then that kind of goes into the next part we were going to talk about, which is the situations that you can put your characters in or the situation that's going to start the story. And so this is where, this is how, when I'm wandering around, I randomly see stories all the time because we happen to live very close to Texas Motor Speedway. It's NASCAR, there's racing, there's all that kind of thing. And so you see people or you hear little snippets of things happening and you're like, Oh, so what if this person was in that situation? Right. And how would you use that? Yeah, I do the same thing or I'll see something happen. But then my mind will be like, but what if it didn't happen like that? What if, I mean, the little boy with the ice cream and it almost tips off, but he catches it. And I'm like, oh, but if it hadn't, <laughs> if, if it had right. fallen yes. on the sidewalk, this would be a whole other story. Well, and this is where you can take your story or take your little kernel of plot and you get to learn about all the things. Well, what if we were goat farming and wanted to do, what did you have in your, your Oh, I was book? like, I think I wrote goats. I did. Um, yes. Yeah. Fireproof had goats in it. Yes. I don't know about cheese making and goat farming and yeah, farmer's markets, Vermont. Yeah. We're not, so, I mean, so what are, what's your point that you kind of can end up having to do a lot of research if you decide to go in a direction that you don't know about? No, but you can. It gives you the opportunity to experience. Like, for example, I do not want to go goat farm cheese in Vermont, but reading it about it was kind of interesting. And so those kind of situations can pop up of it's like the talking about pulling things from the news stories. So if you have this person who is trying to grow organic tomatoes from the ceiling of their apartment in Manhattan, then you can, if you hear something about that, then you can take that little tiny part and turn it into a story. How, how does that impact things? What happens if they're successful? 
And so you can take these little tidbits and turn them into the story. Yes. So at what point though, see for me, if I'm thinking about, like if I read a story about someone growing organic tomatoes in an apartment in Manhattan and having some elaborate system where they're strung up from the ceiling, because I am who I am and I write what I write, the first thought that comes into my mind is like, okay, so this guy brings somebody home and he has a tiny studio apartment and it's like a jungle because there's tomatoes hanging everywhere from the ceiling. <laughs> like it's, it's romantic comedy. <laughs> Exactly. So, at what point, like for me, like I'm, I'm a character writer. They come first. At what point do we start figuring out who these people are? Or am I jumping ahead? Well, jumping ahead just a little bit. Because okay. you would figure out, okay, what events need to happen. And that's exactly what you just did. Is you're like, okay, so this guy is randomly growing tomatoes from his ceiling. And it looks like he's living in a bad round of Jumanji. <laughs> what needs to happen? Well... It's not funny if nobody sees it. Right. So he obviously needs to bring somebody home. And so the, you take what events, what needs to happen, how are you going to start your characters off, what's happening to them right now, where do you want them to end up, which we're going to talk about more next week. But when you look at, okay, so he brings this character in, he, he brings somebody home, what kind of person is he bringing home? Is he bringing home some kind of socialite who's going to be like, don't let those things touch me? Or is he bringing home some girl he met in the bar that's actually from Idaho that was like, oh my God, you're growing potato, or growing potato, not potatoes, tomatoes. Yeah. How are you doing it? And build from there. So that's where okay. you can make your characters fit the situation you've, you want to set up to make the next event happen. Yeah, I think something that's occurring to me and you can refute it if you do not agree but I do not think that you can write 100% from plot or 100% from characters inevitably at the very beginning they start to intertwine because you could have a fantastic character but if you have nothing for them to do no goals no conflicts no nowhere for them to be or go you don't have a story so I think for any writer no matter what you think you do best you're doing both well, I think you're absolutely right on that because when you take the characters, I like it when you say that. <laughs> you're absolutely <laughs> right. And when you take your characters and you've got your plot, you've got these two things here. Okay, we got to mesh them together. How are they going to fit together? So, if I have a certain event happening over here, for example, we we're going to go back to our gas leak at the museum. There's a gas leak at the museum. There is an amateur sleuth who she knows that it's not actually a gas leak. She knows it was a heist. She's going to prove it for reasons. We would get into in the character part why she has those reasons. But right now, that is her goal. And we all know I'm obsessed with the goals. So that is her goal. She needs something to do. Here is where you're going to build your character to fit your plot. That character has to have some kind of skill or something that's going to make them fit into that situation. Unless you're doing a fish out of water trope. And we'll talk about that. But my amateur sleuth who is a dog walker is not randomly going to know how to pick door locks and get into places. And so I think you're exactly right that you cannot have them completely separate. And that's why you can't take a character from this book and just plop them down in that book and have a coherent story. Because the plot and the story are going to intertwine together to create the character's arc. And the character arc is only right for that particular character. Right, that makes sense. Okay. Well, so if we're not writing from character, but we're writing from plot, 
I know like with my character writing, I'm always thinking, where's this person starting? Where do they need to go? How do we look at that? How do, what's the parallel for plot? With plot, you would start with what's happening here and how are all my dominoes gonna fall so that we end up here? So if I, going back to, it always seems to come back to dead bodies and murder. If I'm going back to a dead body and I start off with, okay, I know at the beginning they are going to find this dead guy dead in a fish tank in his apartment. Must be a big fish tank. <laughs> he just kind of fell over. He just dunked his head. Or just his head. So, oh, okay. Yeah, just his head. Not like the whole, that would be a really big fish tank. Not a whole body in there. Um, I also spent the whole weekend watching Reacher, so that might be influencing my examples right now. So anyway, but I know that it's going to start off with them finding this guy with his head in a fish tank and he's dead. Okay. And then I know that at the end, I want it to be he was killed because he saw the guy across the hall having an affair and that guy is a politician and he was going to blackmail him. So I know where my plot started. Starts with that guy. It's going to have to end, hopefully, again, this is where your genre expectations come in. It's going to have to end with dude who did it going down. And so you know that's where you put in your twist, and that's where you think about a clue map. And so I get my character. Maybe my character is this guy's, if we want to go back to the um, best friend's brother, maybe my dead guy is the brother of this girl who's going to go to his best friend who is a detective and be like, look, I know he didn't drown himself with his goldfish. I, you need to solve the murder. And then you would set up, okay, so what needs to happen next? And again, this, if this is a romance, what needs to happen next is going to include both of them. If this is a thriller, what happens next may only include the guy who's the detective. So that's how you figure out how your characters fit in. So what needs to happen next? Well, next he, you need to find out that he was killed because he knew something. And then what needs to happen at your midpoint? And we all know, again, me and my story structure, you hit all of those beats that we've already talked about in the other episodes, and you can lay out literally a clue map of first they're gonna find this, then they're gonna find that, then they're gonna find this, and then it's gonna end up, they're gonna be here. And you kind of do the same thing with romance of, First, you have this beat, and then you have the moment where they're going to decide that they are going to work together, and then they have the moment where they're starting to build their chemistry. And so it goes the same way. It's just a different set of dominoes that you're knocking down. Would you say that most romance books or writers begin with character, whereas most thrillers slash mysteries must start with plot? I honestly think it can go either way because with romance writers, we see a lot of them who begin with character of, I want to write about a woman who leaves her abusive husband is starting completely over and runs into her childhood love at the grocery store. So you see that kind of, which that's kind of plot of what I just said there. Right. But, I think it's more market specific. Like romance writers at this point, a lot of them are like, I'm writing a billionaire. He right, yes. an alpha male. Yes, you pick tropes and archetypes and expectations for the genre. With thrillers, I think I see it, or thrillers, mysteries, and suspense, I tend to lump those all together. Um, I see more there 
it being based on sometimes it can be based on the plot because the plot is what's driving it the mystery the puzzle that's what's driving it where you see it based on character a lot is in series that if you have the same character um throughout an entire series you're seeing that character's arc and so sometimes you will be able to pick out okay this crime is matching what's going on in this character's life right now and that's why it's causing this change in their emotional state so i can see it kind of both ways okay fair enough so what what else do we need to talk about i kind of feel like we've we've gotten through starting a story from plot there there isn't a a strict how-to it's and it's not completely separate from character so it's not like you're choosing necessarily i'm going to start with plot you're sort of doing it all at once in a way yes i just wanted to touch a little bit more on how your plot can kind of create the character to the side and we'll get into this a lot deeper when we're actually talking about characters but whatever the emotional wound of that character is going to be that can be informed by the plot right and so if you for example if you have a character who almost drowned as a child then at some point in your plot that character is going to end up immersed in water and so that again you look at which way do i need my dominoes to fall do i need it to fall so that they do this and it traumatizes them and what does it lead to the next step in the plot or do I do this and we see that they've completely overcome that and now they are a you know award-winning swimmer who can defend themselves right and that is going to change the direction of the plot because now we know that when the jewel thief tries to jump off the boat instead of being scared of jumping in the water to go after them our amateur sleuth is going to dive in act like they're a dolphin so you can use that to create that yes and i was just thinking of how the key really is that the plot points cannot be arbitrary they don't just happen because it seemed like it would be fun to have a, a carnival come through town it they have to relate directly to either moving the plot that you have already figured out. Here's the beginning, here's the end, moving it closer to the end, or they have to relate directly to the character arcs that you're working in. So I don't know why I felt like that was some sort of like grand announcement highlight that I come upon. And now it sounds very obvious, but we do end up editing and putting this comment in a lot like why is this scene here what is happening here why do we need this to happen right now so i think if you are a plot focused writer it's important to know that every point in your plot must drive the story forward that even if you know cool plots are your thing you can't just come up with random cool stuff it has to relate and and really be part of that big meshed web that has characters and plot and motivations and everything else all smushed together yeah we see a lot of that especially with new writers i wrote this scene and it's really cool and i love it and i researched what the carnival would look like and i researched this particular type of ride and i know exactly and it's awesome and you're like okay but why are they at a carnival right and what does that have to do with anything 
And the writers for, I think it's South Park, I may get this wrong, there was a YouTube video, a very short YouTube video, that talked about when they are plotting out an episode, they always use therefore or but, mm -hmm. because every scene needs to change something. Right. And so if you say this happens, therefore this happens, that works fine. Or this was supposed to happen, but that happened, that works fine. It's when you start using the word and right. that one of those scenes could probably go. This happens and that happens. Now, if that's happening in the same scene, that's fine. But if it's they go to dinner and they go to the carnival and they do this, something has to change in between there for those to all be important. Or that's where you start setting those scenes aside to use later, but they may not be right for the story. Or that's where your editor tells you that you have to kill your darling. Just yes. never fun, but we're very mean. All right. Well, so what? There are some books that, um, and and some. There's a million resources online if you just search out like plotting for writers. I came upon a list of like ninety different links. Yes, there's tons. Yeah. So whether you're looking for a method, or you just want to read how some other writers go about plotting, or people who begin stories with plot, it's all out there. But I found, and this may or may not be useful because I haven't seen the inside, and I bet maybe you have because you're a, a planning person. Uh, L. R. Ryan, on if you go on Amazon, has like 40 versions of a plotting workbook. And they're all thematically different. I don't think the inside is different. The covers are different. So there's like the owl and moon. There's the winter scene. There's so they're they're very pretty. <laughs> I am not familiar with those, but I will totally be checking I them have out. I might find them. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then I know structuring your novel by Cam Whelan. Again, it's a it's more structure than plot specific, but the two are intertwined. Well, and she also has software that you can download where you actually can like plug in the the plot points and it asks all these questions to help guide you to what needs to happen next. Oh, so that's, that's cool. very, very useful. Well, so when I first started writing, I bought this book because of the description, the way it was described, because I was like, if someone could just tell me the story, I could write it. That's all I want. Just someone give me the plot. So I bought this book. It's called Plato. It's um, oh. the master book of all plots. And that sounded perfect. It is the most confusing. Like if you, if I just show you kind of what the pages inside look like, like it's sort of like a choose your own adventure setup where you start at the beginning with like a character archetype kind of, and if, and then it like three different options for how the plot begins and then you choose and it'll lead you to the next thing. And it's, I've never figured out how to use it. <laughs> it's needlessly confusing. So I, I okay. <laughs> cannot recommend this book, although it's very interesting. So um, it's more like- And a, you have held on to it this whole time. Because I find it really interesting. And I don't know why I like it so much, considering it's been completely useless for me, but um, I, I'd be willing to lend it out <laughs> if okay. anyone wants to take a look at it. <laughs> Well, and if you're looking for those types of resources, and I should have pulled some off of my shelf back there, they have books like, for example, one of them I have is called Now Write Mysteries, mm -hmm. and it has story prompts to get you started. And also in our Story Strategy Saloon, we do story prompts every Tuesday 
also and some of those are plot based some of those are character based but the idea is to get your brain moving towards what could you do with this right well and really i was thinking as i was looking at the notes for this that starting from plot is a lot like writing from a prompt if if you just mm-hmm. have that little setup um gas leak at museum that's a prompt basically it could go anywhere and that's if there's nothing wrong with that that if that's what gets your brain going that is fabulous yeah so okay well i think we've nailed the horse or whatever whatever my horrible wrong saying is um let us know if you have questions um i think this isn't as cut and dried as i thought it was going to be like plot and character are not over here and over here they're very together so it was kind of fun talking through it and realizing how intertwined they actually are well and one of the things we do do at evident inc is with our story coaching and with our story consultations is you can contact either one of us and say i have an idea i want to write about this event that happened of there there was there was a gas leak at the museum (laughs) and both of us could come up with 15 different ways you can take that and that's one thing I would encourage somebody to do if they were brainstorming with critique partners or their writing friends or, okay, so what happens if you find a guy dead with his head in a fish tank? <laughs> Everybody's come up, going to come up with a different reason why he's there and what you should do with the goldfish. So use that to stretch those creative muscles. Yeah. And on the topic of story coaching, I guess we should mention we will have on our Facebook page for Evident Inc. and inside the Story Saloon, which is our our little secret group. I don't think it's secret, but that's where we- It's private. A little bit more in-depth um, questions and answers and that kind of stuff. Um, we will have a form where if you're interested in trying out story coaching and you're willing to do it live with us here, um, we're gonna do a couple of mini sessions recorded um, they, we will be live when we have the conversation. They may not be aired live, um, where you can kind of get some brainstorming help, get some answers to questions that you've been struggling with, um, all for the benefit of everyone else who listens or watches. And we're very nice and we're very kind and you should not be scared of us. We no, will make we, your story shiny. Yeah, we've done it before, I think, right? And so there's, I don't know which episode to refer you to, but um, yeah, it's fun. I think people have yes. been happy after we've done that. I know my coaching clients are always say it's super helpful and that they're, they know which way to go now when we're done. So anyway, if you're interested in that, um, go look on our Facebook page for that form and drop your name in the hat. We're just going to pull some random names, I think, and we'll get in touch and let you know when we're going to do it. So that's there. And in the meantime, there's always courses on our Teachable page, which is accessible from our website, evidentinc.com. And I think that's it for us, yeah? And all of our, we have 50 plus back episodes, some of which do focus on plot and story structure and beats. All of those are available on YouTube. Yep, so go find what you need. And if you don't find what you need or you have an idea for another episode you'd like to see, just get in touch with us on our Facebook page or through our website. Okay, well, thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you guys soon. You can find story writing tips, tricks, coaching, and courses at our site, www.evidentinc.com. Get live feedback in our writing community at Facebook 
at facebook.com forward slash evident Inc. and find past episodes of story strategy at our YouTube channel. Story powers the world and we can't wait to help you tell yours.